This is Mental Maps, a podcast about navigating the mind. My name is Dr. Josh Waddell. I'm a psychiatric nurse practitioner, mental health counselor, and host of this show. The content of this show is focused on creating a better understanding about the mind and how you can achieve optimal well-being. Welcome back to Mental Maps. As always, I hope this finds you well, no matter what season of life that you're in. Uh, before we jump into the show, I wanted to give you guys a quick update on a really cool collaboration we have going right now. If you've been following the show for a while, you know how important it is for your gut health to be at optimal functioning. And one of the ways to do that is through things like probiotics and prebiotics. And if you've listened to the show, you also know how challenging it can be to find good supplementation for that. And so it's one of the reasons that Mental Maps has decided to collaborate with Just Thrive Health. This is a really great company who focuses on making spore-based probiotics. Uh, if you're new to that, you can go back to some of the other episodes, primarily with like Dr. Krishnan, who discusses how important that version of a probiotic and prebiotic are. And so one of the things that we've done with Just Thrive is to give people an opportunity to try these supplements. You can use the discount code MAPS, it's capital M, capital A, capital P, capital S. We'll also put that on our Instagram and in the show notes. And you can use that to get 15% off of any of your purchases. So go ahead, try that out at Just Thrive. I use it. I've really been impressed with the effects it's had not only on my overall gut health, but mental health. And so I would recommend you guys check that place out. So it's justthrivehealth.com. So as we jump into the show today, um, we're going to focus on a really interesting topic in the world of mental health and that is when does an emotion become an illness so if you've been following along in a lot of our other episodes we've been talking about why do brains get sick how does this super awesome organ that manages everything in your body become ill and then as we've understood there's so many different ways to become ill what if your brain isn't ill what if your brain is experiencing a natural human emotion? One of the things that we see, not only that I see in my clinical practice, but my colleagues talk a lot about as well, is just this really thin line that exists right now in our culture between natural human emotion and pathological illness. And for so many people, the lack of understanding of these two concepts leads to a lack of fulfillment in life, a lack of overall wellness, and ultimately an unknown of how to become well again when they are unwell. And so what we're going to do today is unpack this a little bit. So just a heads up, we're not going to discuss a lot of the neurobiology to the emotions. We're going to talk a little bit about it, but that's definitely for another episode and kind of outside the context of what we're talking about today. But we are going to unpack that a little bit. So we're going to maybe get a little sciencey, but not too much, I promise. It's not going to be like a biology class as we unpack this a little bit. So what are emotions? Um, we, we all experience them, or most people experience them. And one of the things that we know about emotions is they can feel very different person to person, yet they're very similar at the same time. And so as psychologists over the years have attempted to understand and identify emotions, the work of Paul Ekman was really the catalyst to understand what the human brain is doing in what we call emotional experiences. And so what Paul Ekman does is he identifies six core emotional states, if you will. And he believes, and I think we understand this more moving forward, is that a lot of the emotions we experience come out of these six core emotions. They're part of this category. And so we can then begin to understand what we're feeling out of this. 
we know that each one of these categories are like a spectrum, an end of it that can be very positive and then an end that can maybe be very negative. And so the six core emotions, you have happiness, you have sadness, you have fear, you have disgust, you have anger, you have surprise. If you've ever watched the movie Inside Out, you know these six core emotions very well. That's what that movie's kind of based around. And it's a great um, example of what these emotions can look like. And I think it's awesome for kids. So if you have kids, I would highly recommend to watch that movie. But nonetheless, so you have these six core emotions. And these six core emotions can look very different from person to person, yet they're very similar at the same time. So for example, we know what happiness can look like. However, happiness can get very extreme to the point that you can become too happy or you're somewhat euphoric in a way that can be dysfunctional. Yet we also can be happy in a way that's very productive and this very has behaviors like laughter or excitement or you're just enjoying something. We have sadness, which once again is on a spectrum. And that sadness can look just like kind of crying or maybe you're feeling kind of sad or where it gets to the point of what we're going to talk about more where it gets to elevated to a disorder you have fear and when we think about fear it's more than just like the oh my gosh i'm scared there's a, a great uh lecture i listened to years ago when i was in school to be a therapist and it was talking about how anxiety is really just fear of the unknown or fear of the future and so for many people when they identify as feeling anxious there's just this fear that they are of the unknown. And so out of fear, out of that core emotion of fear, comes that emotion of anxiety. The fourth one is disgust. And we so we think of disgust, it's really based around avoidance or not accepting what is around you. Ekman really discusses that this is a very sensational-based emotion. So if we talked about before, that stimuli that's coming in, that is generating that experience of the disgust. And so then you have the anger, that's number five. And anger is everything from feeling agitated and frustrated to just overall feeling aggressive and very explosive. And then lastly, he identifies as surprise. And surprise is everything from the, the shock that can be either positive or negative to the excitement of the surprise itself. So happiness sadness, fear, disgust, anger, surprise. Out of these six core emotions come all the other emotions that we label in this world to identify what we experience. Now we know where emotions come from in the brain if we want to get sciencey. We know that these six core emotions really come out of what's called the limbic system and the limbic system is identified as the emotion center or the emotion pathways of our brain. And we know if we go back to the work of Dr. Amy Lemke which we've talked about before, the brain spends most of its day, if not all of its time, making predictions and creating meaning. So that we have these stimuli that come in, we predict about what that stimuli is going to do and then we create a meaning by that. And that limbic system System is really this meaning-making factory. And then we know out of that meaning-making factory will come either a reaction or a response. And the dictator of that is our frontal lobe, which sits at the front of our cranium, the front part of our brain, just right above and behind the eyes. And so we know that the frontal lobe is kind of this modulator, if you will, of this meaning-making machine. So for example, let's say I'm driving in the road, I get cut off in traffic that generates this immediate re this response and this person's trying to wreck me and so then I get very angry and so then my frontal lobe's gonna help me decide if I'm either going to yell and scream and flipping the bird or if I'm gonna just say, hey, I understand this person's maybe got somewhere to go and they're having to get over into traffic. 
So you have the six core emotions, and out of these six core emotions come the other emotions. We know in the biological perspective where this is occurring in the brain, it's being generated based on the predictions our brain is making. But the question then becomes, how does these natural human experiences that we know everybody or healthy most most people have and i think one of the big challenges is in this is that out of these six core emotions have not only came our human experiences but have also came pathological illnesses that we then are able to treat in mental health and in physical health in all the ways we talked about before But unfortunately, what we've seen in the world of mental health, and I believe is an epidemic within the world of mental health, is the belief that these natural human emotions are a pathological illness. One of the things that we understand in in science across the globe is that societies will dictate how people show that they are unwell. We've seen this in numerous cultures, not only in Western culture, where whether it be media, whether it be the influence of Westerners in that area, whether it be the influence of certain religions or certain cultural norms, will identify and dictate how people show that they do not feel well from a mental health perspective. And one of the things that we have seen in Western culture, as well as other cultures, is the use of these pathological terms, like we're talking about out of these six core emotions that we use to treat mental illness in everyday life. And we're going to talk about the challenge with that later on, but we're going to dive deeper into what this looks like. So for example, you see someone who's having just maybe a bad day and they say, I feel depressed. Are you really depressed? How do you know the difference between sadness and depression? Because many people who are just sad say they're depressed. However, some people who are depressed will just say they're sad when really they're pathologically depressed. And I think the best way to identify this and begin to understand it is pathological illness occurs when a natural human emotion becomes destructive in your own health and leads to unproductive human behaviors. What I mean by that is sadness is just sadness until you're laying in bed all day, you're having crying spells, you can't leave your home, you have no energy and you have no motivation. Now you've moved from sadness and now you're depressed. Anxiety goes from maybe I'm a little nervous about going on stage to an illness when you cannot even leave your home and be around other people in the supermarket because you're fearful that they're going to hurt you. Anger goes from just normal little agitation that we all experience to busting holes in the wall when we become very aggressive. As you see, it goes from this true emotional state to this behavior that is shown through the severity of that illness. So why this is important is because Language is power, and how we identify how we feel is power. We know that. As we talked about before, the brain is always making predictions and creating meaning. And if I am telling myself I am depressed, whether I'm depressed or not, more times than not, that's going to elevate that, and my body and brain are going to respond based on what that looks like. 
And normally that would be something that could be very positive. We know that if, if you have the positive affirmations in the world, you say good things about yourself in the mirror, it comes true. And we, and we also know there's a negative connotation to that. If we're using these very negative statements about ourselves, we're going to reaffirm that. But when we talk about it in the world of like a mental illness or a mental health, the brain will begin to predict that you are in this state even though you may not be on this state based on what we know about this illness. So just to kind of go back and unpack it again, because I know that may sound somewhat confusing, but I think it's imperative as we move forward. So you have these core emotions, and out of these core emotions come all of our emotional states. But these emotional states that most humans experience, if not all humans experience, begins to become an illness when the behaviors related to this emotional state become negative or disruptive to your overall daily living. One of the things that we understand about mental illness is that it's one of, if not the only, biological experiences for the human body that the symptoms of the illness make the illness worse. So to kind of put that into perspective, if you experience cardiac issues. So for example, let's say you're in a place where you have high blood pressure. A lot of the symptoms of high blood pressure is an attempt to negate what is occurring in the heart so that the body can continue to function and live and do the things that it needs to do. Same thing for, let's say, stomach issues. If my stomach is very upset, I don't want to eat and I don't want to eat because if I eat something, it's going to disrupt my gut more or I'm going to vomit and get it out, which is going to cleanse my body from whatever's making me sick. The symptom of the illness attempts to fix the illness. Mental illness is very different. The symptoms of mental illness will make the mental illness worse. So when I'm depressed, or if I'm sad and my sadness has led into this depression, that depression, those symptoms of avoidance, low motivation, low energy, not wanting to do anything, avoidance of other people, that makes my illness worse. It doesn't make it better, which makes it even more difficult to treat and even more difficult to come out of because not only is the illness itself a heavy experience, but the symptoms are elevating the symptoms even worse. And it's this nasty cycle that it's in. Anger is the same way. If I'm very angry, you would want the body to respond in a way of slowing the body down. But unfortunately, anger can lead to the body revving up. And as the body revs up, then you get more aggressive and more angry, and it just grows and grows and grows and grows. And so you see as out of this human emotion comes these illnesses, but these illnesses are dictated based on the behaviors that you have and the experience, and then those behaviors lead to a worsening of the illness. So going back to what we were talking about before, if I am just sad, but I'm telling myself I'm depressed, my brain many times is going to predict that I'm going to have these experiences, and so it's going to already go into these states of feeling that way. When really we're not depressed at that moment, we're just sad. But we're giving these, these emotional experiences so much power, and it leads to us becoming more ill. We're seeing this across the board, no matter the age, in the clinical setting. I, I see it in my own clinical setting. I, I've talked to other colleagues about this as well, where you see people using these terminologies where they're really not in these experiences, 
but it's the only way they know how to say how they feel. And so then it leads to them forming these other illnesses and looking for things that may not even help them. So for example, you see the person who is cleaning a lot in the home, cleaning a lot in their like office maybe. And so they're like, oh my gosh, my OCD is acting up today. That's not true. You don't have OCD because if you had obsessive compulsive disorder, it would be so profound that these obsessions would ruminate to the point that now it's so dysfunctional in your life that you're washing your hands compulsively or you can't move compulsively. I'm not, we're not devaluing the spirit experience that you would like your desk to be cleaner, but you don't have the illness. But when I reaffirm that, not only do I give myself validation to, to do certain things, but then I devalue the emotion and elevate my experience. And so I'm continuing to feed into this experience that I'm in right now. And so you may say, like, well, what does this mean? Like, how does this impact me on a, on a day-to-day life? Why shouldn't I say I'm in these states when I don't really know I am or not? And I think the biggest reason is because, one, you're going to move deeper into this emotional state where things can become pathological. And, two, you may find yourself doing things in an attempt to make it better that aren't going to help. I can give someone all the medicine in the world, but if stress is still there, stress is still there. If they don't know where they're going to get food at, if they don't know where they're going to live at, if they don't know how they're going to get from point A to point B, if they don't know they're going to be safe tonight, they're still going to be anxious or sad because that's a natural human emotion. We can't rob that from someone. The human brain needs these emotions because without happiness, there is no sadness, and without sadness, there is no happiness. And one of the things that we see in this world now is the uncomfortability with the natural human emotion. And we're not going to get down the rabbit hole of where this comes from, but I think in from a society perspective, what we begin to see is all of the things that we consume through media and through life and through snapshots of the world, we begin to think that many people don't have a bad day. They don't have these natural emotions. And so when mine occur, that must mean I'm sick. And that's not true. You're not sick. You're experiencing natural emotion. So if you're in this place, I think we as all humans must look at this and say, if I begin to feel a certain way, how do I know it's an emotion? And the first thing is, how, what am I feeling? How does it go into those six core concepts? Is it happiness? Is it sadness? Is it the fear? Is it the disgust? Is it the anger? Or is it the surprise? Is it one of these six core concepts? And then if it's in one of these six core concepts, what I challenge people to do is say, how long have I been feeling it? It's been a day? Is it a couple days? Has it been months? Has it been years? If I've been feeling it, how long do I feel it? What makes it happen? Does anything make it better? So for example, if I feel sad and I feel sad maybe one day a week, and that sadness is based on a certain thing that I experience in my life, and if I go on a run and I feel better, probably not in that depressive state that you think you're in. However, if that sadness is there more days than not, and you find yourself not even able to go to work, and you're avoidant, and you're not able to be active in your relationships, you're probably more than just sad. You're probably moving into, if not in, the pathological state of depression. And the course of action for those where a run or 
a deep breathing exercise helps your one experience, that depression may need more. That depression may need a lot more treatment and a lot more things to help it get out of those states. So as you see, we have these natural emotions. And out of these natural emotions come all of the emotions that we experience. And even though we all experience these emotions, many people will have these emotions elevate over a time to begin to impact their daily functioning that lead to behaviors that then are identified as a pathological illness. And we as humans must begin to evaluate our own state so that we can then properly identify how we feel so that we don't lead ourselves down a rabbit hole that may be detrimental to our overall health. I believe this is one of the most important things we can do for our mental health on a daily basis. You've got to be checking in with yourself all day. I'm notorious for not doing it, but you've got to do it. How am I feeling? Where am I at? And then if you're having episodes where more days than not, you're feeling a certain way, then you probably need to check it a little bit. And you probably need to begin to look at what's making it better and what's making it worse. Many people believe that they, can, they passively live within their life, experience emotions as they occur, and when the uncomfortability is there, then they either avoid it through things such as distraction, through things such as substances, through things such as um, sleep or social media or just media on itself, whatever that looks like. Or they just react to it, and so they're living their life in this reactionary state. When we don't have to do either. We don't have to be passive. We don't have to be reactive. We can be responsive in our emotion. And the only way we can be responsive is to know what we're feeling, to know where it's coming from, and then to begin to try to manage it in that moment. Now, we know there's a lot of reasons why people get sick. We've talked about that in numerous episodes before. But what we're talking about is on a day-to-day life for the average human being, you are experiencing emotions. And when these emotions occur, it's your job as a a human to begin to work to identify why you're having this emotion and if it's there, how to help it. And if you don't know, then you've got to reach out. You can't passively live it. You can't reactively live it. You've got to respond to it, whether that's within yourself, whether that's with the people around you, whether that's with a professional getting that response to manage that emotion so that it doesn't turn in to the pathological illness that it can evolve to. And with that, what you'll find is that your bad day, more times than not, and I I struggle with this so much too, is a normal bad day. And that emotion is a natural human emotion. And that thought is a natural thought given what you're experiencing. And if you can respond, that emotion can be quote-unquote coped with and dealt with. So as you move forward, check in with yourself every day. Be checking in with where you're at, how you're feeling, what that looks like. If you begin to check in and you notice like, hey, this is there more days than not. Seek that help, whether it be from a therapist, whether it be from a psychiatric provider, whether it be from a functional health provider, whether it be from someone that you trust, reach out. You don't have to feel that way. You don't have to be in those states. But if you find yourself feeling these natural emotions coming on,
begin to evaluate and see what makes it better, what makes it worse, and how you can manage it in the moment and moving forward. We've talked in way other episodes about ways to not only prevent certain illnesses, but ways to manage the experiences, ways to fill your gas tank so that you find it, and ways to move forward even if you're having these emotions more days than not. So check in, do the work, and challenge yourself. And work to not use these diagnostic labels as a way to identify the way you feel unless you truly feel it. Because don't give power or don't give more power to an emotional state that doesn't deserve that emotional experience. So that you don't give the emotion more power than it deserves, which ultimately will keep that emotion from leading to those irrational or maybe those unhelpful behaviors, which will keep that from leading to a pathological illness, which could be debilitating. This isn't for everyone in the way of like preventing mental illness. We know there's a gamut of ways, but if you can identify how you're feeling, you can begin to control your own brain and you can begin to navigate the very thin line of natural human emotions and pathological mental illness.